All right, we got a podcast, listeners. We are back at it after two weeks. We took last week off just because of lack of substantial content with the World Cups over. So what are we going to talk about today? Uh, maybe a brief discussion on Wimbledon. Um, we're going to talk about a little NBA. There's a big trade that I think we missed to talk about. And then uh, back to men's soccer. Um both the men, mostly the men's national team, but also if John, Zay, and Roland want to talk about some movement, maybe Neymar, um, we'll get into that too. But we'll start with the, the smaller stuff. So I know Roland's not a fan of it. I don't know where John stands on it, but Wimbledon, Wimbledon the men's final was a match for the ages. It went five sets. Um, it was... Novak Djokovic over Rafael Nadal. In like I said, it was like a five-hour match. Five. Federer. What'd you say? Wasn't it Roger Federer? I think you yeah. said Nadal. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Federer. I, I, I'm glad it wasn't Nadal. Yeah, I. So, Rafael Nadal in the sem. Roger Federer beat Rafael Nadal in the semifinal. Right. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I do, I'm with you, Zay. I don't. I like Nadal, but I'd rather have Roger one because I like. I just like him better. But also, Nadal grunts on every hit, and it gets so annoying. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, Novak won. In like I said, it was five sets. It was back and forth. It was like five hours long. I tried to watch it on my flight home from Florida, but the Wi Fi on the flight was out, so I couldn't. Um, so that was a real bummer. But did... I'm guessing Xavier... I know Xavier watched it. John and Roland, did you watch any of it? Yeah, I watched the... I watched bits and pieces throughout the weekend. Yeah, it was... Whenever, like... I just feel like whenever there's, like, two greats competing against each other, like, these two guys, if Nadal's in there, or any other part, if LeBron's playing... If Tom Brady's playing, when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady would play, you just gotta watch it. It's gonna be instant classic. It's so good. Um, yeah, Xavier, what what did you think about it? Because you're the one that watched the other part. Um, I mean, it was just good tennis. Um, just a lot of fun to watch. Um, like you said, two great players just going at it. Um, and you saw, I mean, what it went... The, what twelve? So someone had to win twelve in the final set. I think it was thirteen twelve. Uh, thirteen, yeah, thirteen twelve. So that just shows that I mean they went the distance. So um, you can't get much better than that. Um, I personally wanted Djokovic to win, but I don't mind either player. I like both of them. Um, I think they're both really good players. Federer doesn't have too much time left playing. He's getting old. Um, but, um, yeah, I, it was just so much fun to watch. I, I mean, I like watching tennis, so, I mean, any game would probably be fun to watch for me, but that game, that final was probably one of the better matches I've seen, so. Yeah, I'm with you, and like you said, so it went to 13-12. For those that don't know, that might not sound significant, but... They changed a rule in the final set for the tiebreaker. Um, so usually you just go till someone wins by two. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Z. But no, you're right. if you win by two, it can go on forever, right? Um, There's one match where the fifth set went 26-24, so I guess this was in response to that. But basically, the new rule changed so that whoever gets, like, gets capped at 13-12. So some people have said, like, well, that's kind of stupid because Novak only won because of this new rule. Like, either team, either player could have won, but Novak was just serving at 12-12. There weren't the, as many breaks, so Novak won because of a new rule. Um, John and Roland, what do you guys think about that? Well, hold on, hold on. So okay. I think... You too, Zach. If I if I remember correctly, they do at twelve twelve, they do a tie break. So, um, they did like no, uh, Novak. Well, so it's at that point it's twelve twelve. So they do then 
to a seven-point tiebreak. So they Novak will serve two points, ah. and Roger will serve two, and it just goes back and forth. So, and then if it was six six in the tiebreak, whoever won the next point won it. Gotcha. So, um, but yeah, go ahead. What do you got, Roland? Do you care? I'm, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> so, so basically, the gist of it is. Novak won because they capped the yeah. score. So, like, you know in intramurals, when we would play, yeah. they'd be like, go to 25, cap at 27. That's what happened in the championship. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I So, like, before this, it, like, this was a new rule for this year? Yeah, they would just keep going. Like, it could it go would, to, yeah. Uh, hmm. Uh, it seems kind of odd that you would have a maximum score that you would go to, because, yeah, it really, I guess at that point, it just comes down to that last, I mean, I mean, you still have to get to that point, and, and from what I, I, like I said, I didn't watch it, but you guys were, I, you know, heard you guys talking about it when it was going on, and, like, you know, saw, like, clips of, of, like, I don't know, how, like, how it was, so, like, I mean, the fact that they even got to that point, um, I don't think it's necessarily something that you might see every day, um, so it, it would make sense that they would feel like that type of rule isn't something that's, I mean, they, there's no way they could have anticipated, <laughs> I guess. Uh, them actually needing to go to 13, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it sucks for the guy who lost, uh, I don't know, it's, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm not, like, Roger Federer, the king of class, he is, I don't know, like, anything about tennis, <laughs> oh, man, John, do you have anything? I think uh, not so much on the ruling. I mean, it is what it is. We all have to adapt to new rules and things. But I just think it's just entering into the sunset, not only for Roger Federer, who's 38, but for Serena Williams. She's 37, had just crushed her way to the final, where Simona Halep, Halep? Halep. Simona Halep beat her 6-2, you know, 6-2, um, okay. which, you know, it's always hard to watch uh, great, you know, one of the greats, and they both have claims to be the greatest tennis player who ever lived for their, you know, respective genders, but it's just, I don't know, for me, I always just love watching them because I know they're not going to be around forever, Yeah, and, you know, they're just great to watch, and Especially with Novak Djokovic, I'm not sure how old he is, but, you know, this is also the first time I left the semifinal because this was the first time Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal faced each other since 2008. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to me, growing up, when I think I first started watching tennis, I was like, oh, those are the two titans, and then Novak Djokovic entered the race, and yeah, it's always good to see. See... See the greats battle it out, like Michael said, but also excited to see where the new tennis bud comes in. See if anyone can dominate like any of them did. Yeah, definitely. And those three, Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic, are like just all right there and have potential to like hold the record for most majors won. So just to have like three of the all time greats playing at the same time is just. It, it makes tennis almost must-watch, even if you're not a big fan. Um, like, Roland, like, Roland, if you were to watch it, and you were to watch one of those three guys' plays, you'd be watching one of the best players to ever play the yeah, game. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, the names all sound familiar, and I have watched them before. It's just, it's not, I don't know, I, I never played tennis growing up. I've played it once uh, at the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, if, if you 
want to call it playing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, 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 it is cool. Always, always a cool thing to see. I mean, I guess probably every generation thinks that they have some of the best sports players of their generation, you know? Um, thinking about, like, like Joe Montana and, like, all the great quarterbacks we had back in the day. And now you, now we have, you know, Tom Brady, Russell Westbrook. Uh, or, Russell Westbrook, sorry, Russell Wilson. Yep. Um, Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Pat Mahomes. Yeah, we'll see. Um <laughs> We'll see. Uh, Drew Brees, you know, like all that. I mean, it's you know, it's always a it's always a great time to be a sports fan. So it is. Um, yeah. What else? What was I gonna say? Oh, my my last take on it was I'm f- I'm kind of okay with the rule up until the finals, because like I get wanting to cap the games to like preserve players um, for the rest of the tournament, but if you're if it's the finals, like I I'll. I'll guarantee both, like, I'm sure Novak's happy to have won, but if he had lost, and I'm sure Roger feels this way, like, he still, I'm sure he had more to give, like, more to play for, so I just don't like it in the finals. Like, what are they going to do? Like, I mean, dragging out a game, that's why they made seven days in hell, which is actually really funny, Um, but just, I don't know, it just, for them to cap it in the finals just doesn't, sit well with me but what can you do yeah i agree uh also shout out to coco goff i think that's her name 15 year old who made it to the round of 16 in the wimbledon um i don't know about you guys but at 15 i was not in (laughs) probably the biggest tennis tournament in the world so (laughs) shout out to her i hope i hope she like you know probably weren't uh, I, I just hope she, like, continues to get better and, uh, yeah. you know, carry on where yeah, Serena cool. eventually leaves off. So that was cool. Um, anything else on tennis, say? No? All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move to back to the NBA. You know, it's summer league happened. No one really cares about that. Um, <laughs> after, you know, the Kawhi move, the Paul George trade, the last big thing that happened was... The Oklahoma City Thunder traded Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets, and in return they got Chris Paul and uh, some more draft picks. So the Thunder just got so many draft picks between the Russell Westbrook trade and the Paul George trade. So they're definitely rebuilding for the future, and there are rumors they're trying to trade uh, Chris Paul somewhere just to unload his contract. So OKC definitely not trying to win. They also traded away Jeremy Grant, who I think started for them. So they, who do they have? Steven Adams and Andre Roberson. That's about it. Um, do you guys got any comments on the trade? You know, who you think won? Um, do you, does this make Houston a, content, a contender in the West? What do you guys think about it? Oh, I, I definitely think it makes Houston a, a good contender in the West because... Uh, I don't know, I was told that uh, James Harden was drafted by the Thunder. Yeah. Uh, he he played with Russell Westbrook, um, and they have a good chemistry, better than than they had than he had with uh, Chris Paul. So, um, you know that that's definitely a, a good thing for them. Uh, a lot of draft picks to give up, so I hope they were sure about it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Russell Westbrook's a good player, like, a great player. I mean, you, you arguably have, stats-wise, probably the two, two of the best players in the NBA on your team from, like, a scoring, uh, point of view, you know, uh, James Harden had, I don't even remember how long of a streak of 30 plus point games and then Russell Westbrook always with the uh, the triple doubles um, so and both were MVPs the past couple seasons so I mean that's that, 
it's a pretty good team. Um, you know, it's it's probably one of the best. Uh, non-big three type teams that are out there. Um, well, it's the NBA is not a team of uh, league of threes anymore. It's all about those duos. Is it though? I mean, it is this year, but Golden State had like their whole first line. <laughs> oh um, yeah, I mean, like I feel like. But yeah, yeah. Other than that, I mean, yeah. Okay. But I know what you mean, though. Um, They're definitely one of the most talented teams on paper. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see how that how that translates. Golden State's obviously vulnerable this year, so it just depends on how how good the Lakers turn out to be, how good the Clippers are. Um, you know, if Portland drops off from last year, see where New Orleans is. Um, once, uh, once they get going so um yeah uh as far as oklahoma city goes uh i mean they could certainly trade some of those picks away and get some bigger players if they didn't want to go for a rebuild but it seems like that is the case is they're just going for a full-on rebuild which you know isn't necessarily a bad thing with how competitive the west is right now but yeah so, um, I mean, I basically agree with everything you just said. Um, I just, I think it's a good move for Houston because I think Westbrook and James Harden will, I don't know, mesh better than Paul and Harden did. I don't know, I feel like Paul and Harden just, not argued all the time, but just like, I feel like they didn't get along, they kind of just dealed with each other, uh, but I feel like Westbrook and James Harden will, uh, I think they'll be better teammates to each other, so uh, I think it's just a good move for the organization as a whole, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be enough for Houston to win, but I think it will definitely help them. So, we'll see, I guess. John, any thoughts? I don't know as, you know, in the NBA in depth. That's okay. But from on, on paper, as a non-NBA fan, I am invested in the West because of all of the parity that exists between Golden State, the Lakers, the Clippers, and now Houston. Um... Yeah, for sure. That's why I would be invested as a non-NBA fan to follow any of those teams. Do you know who else is in the West, John? Zion is in the West. Wait, really? Yeah, New Orleans is in the West. Ah, God. What is this, Louisiana Purchase? (laughs) Opening up the West? Yeah. Yeah, basically, I mean, Memphis is in the West. Um, but so. yeah, so yeah, okay, Memphis, you know, Portland, New Orleans, that's gonna, why do I even need an East in the NBA? Well, I <laughs> mean, you got teams like the Hawks that are gonna be fun to watch too, so. Why are the Hawks fun to watch? Trey Young, it's, they're basically trying to be Golden State East, you got Trey Young and Kevin Herter trying to be Splash Bros 2.0, and then they got John Collins, I who's, of any of them. John Collins, excuse me, John Collins has got some bounce, and then. Who did they draft this year? Whatever. The Hawks are going to be fun to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I, I think Uh-oh. Thunder... The thing about the, or the Rockets is that if Westbrook and Harden can make it work, then they'll be good. But the fact they're both dominant ball handlers, they got... They're both going for triple doubles on the nightly basis. It's going to be hard to share... Even though, you know, they were all all teammates before, but it'll be interesting to see how it works out with everything and everyone, so it'll be fun to see, but if, like, because Harden's better than Westbrook right now, just because he can shoot more, if you could put, like, Harden at one and Westbrook at two or something, I think, I think they can make it work, it's just a matter of, like, will they let it work, so that's what I think. 
Other than that, NBA is kind of quiet. NFL training camp is starting to open definitely next week for sure. I think some teams uh, arrived today, like or not today, but this past week, like Denver camp opened. I want to say the Dolphins maybe. But NFL's right around the corner. I just had a fantasy draft um, for one of my leagues, my dynasty league. We just drafted rookies because everyone else was a keeper. Um, we have a league. We got a memo <clears throat> podcast. Maybe we'll open it up to some listeners. If if we get some requests, we'll add you to our... Because, I mean... Definitely because... Uh, I, I, well, uh, never mind. We can talk about this afterwards. That's weird. Because, <laughs> I mean, we got some people that don't show up to the draft, and that really irks me because... Then it just auto picks, and auto pick always takes the people I want to pick. So we got some problem. Um, was, but, that, was that Kyle? Was that yes, Kyle? it's Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even on here. Kyle always, always misses the draft and auto picks, and then he gets some like he always every gets the I every yeah every single it happens to everyone. Yeah. But yeah, may, if we get listeners. Or even if we don't, maybe we'll uh, have one episode where we just like broadcast the draft and like talk about you know certain picks and who we think is stupid or live reactions to people stealing picks and it could be fun. I just thought of that. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah, I was at. We, I've been thinking about it and was going to talk to you guys about it after the show when we should do our draft and stuff. So. All right. Yeah. Okay. We will we do can that. Try and do that. Um, but yeah, so we did. NFL, NBA, tennis, the bulk of today's episode, and it's going to be shorter than usual, is a topic we brought up a couple weeks ago. What you got? No, I just wanted to throw in a quick topic uh, um, that was really interesting because it just came out today that the International Track and Field Governing Body, the IAAF, came out and said that the United States Olympic Trials Mm -hmm. is is now certified as a gold label race which means the top three qualifiers there the top three finishers make it onto the team with the fourth being an alternate so what was it before was it it was just top two right it used to no it used to be that and then in march they came out with this new crazy complex ruling that allotted points for finishers like in competitive diamond league and other league races so you would have like a weird combination of your time and these points allotted so you could be labeled as best in the world but that really was restrictive for a whole bunch of other reasons and so for the olympic trials for the marathon only for the marathon to be labeled as top three finishers creates a lot of excitement and you know yeah especially on the sprints but yeah Good tidbit, John. That's only for the marathon, so we'll see what happens with uh, if the meet, the qualifying meet, you know, gets us. I'm just looking up something real quick, but I think there's going to be a meet on TV or NBC Sports Network soon. I think it's a Diamond League or something. Probably. I'll look it up, but, and I'll let you guys start it on our next topic. Which is the bulk of our conversation. Going back to soccer, last time we were on, we talked about, you know, the USA men's team losing in the Gold Cup finals to Mexico. So we wanted to talk about, or I thought it was a good idea for you guys to talk about what it would take for the men's team, because we already know the women's are world champions. What would it take for the men's team to become real contenders for the World Cup? I hope you guys did your research because I'm counting on it. So, what do you guys think? Take it away. <laughs> who can? I don't care who starts. It can be an open debate. You can talk about lineups. You can talk about coaching. You can talk about philosophy. You know, a, t- con- a total revamp of the point of view of soccer or how people think about soccer. Just jump in yeah michael your last two points for me is where is what it takes to have the united states 
become a consistent contender in international soccer is accessibility at the youth level I think I'm having some internet issues right now. Go and play it and travel and get the best coaches and, you know, go learn how to play and track bad things. But it can be kind of. Wait, hold on, John. I'm. Popularity? Why am I lagging? Make the game accessible to everyone. Because you're also competing with football, basketball the traditional super popular sports in America. Um, I feel like though soccer is super accessible like a lot of kids well maybe it's just me but I feel like most kids play soccer growing up because it's a way to you know just run around and uh, get after it. Okay fair good point like but you also have to like for like 60 or 65 dollars i think i'm talking about like you could go i don't know maybe like sign like a street court or something on a city block or something like that like you walk through a new york city or something and then there's just hoop like basketball hoops around where you can easily play a quick pickup game but most sports complexes will lock up or turn the lights off or something so unless you got your own lights you can't really go play in the dark or play whenever you want it's true. See, see, I think it's um, kids that want to take it to the next level. Like, not just kids that, um, like you said, Michael, that play it growing up, but, like, kids that are good enough to take it to the next level don't have that. I think that's the issue. It's not so much getting in and just playing in a league but I think it's if they're good enough they can go to the next level but they can't afford to go to the next level because of you know all these different things um, I think that's a bigger issue is just kids that want to go to the next level and can I don't know that's what that's what I when I think of that it's what I think of um, but to go off that, um, I think, okay, I agree with what you said, John, about the young, it starts from the youth, um, that's, yes, that's accurate, but, um, I think just a few current things that I would like to see for the U.S. men to win e either in, what, 2022 or even, um, even the year after, I'm not saying they're going to win 2022. But I'm just saying in future, not like 20 years from now. I'm thinking like in, what, eight years maybe, what they have to do. Um, first and foremost, in the next eight years, U.S. men's national players have to go overseas. They have to go play in better leagues other than the MLS. Um, the MLS is there's, um, it's not as developed as European leagues. Um, if you want players to develop, you need them to go to uh, Europe. It's that simple. Um, but also, the other one that I personally think needs to happen is Greg Berhalter, the U.S. men's national coach. He needs to stay longer. Um, what I, one of the things I haven't liked is how quickly... U.S. soccer has given up on their coaches. Now, I understand Bruce Arenas, why he, he's gone, but and I wasn't a fan of Klinsman, but the fact that he got fired because he lost games I thought was kind of ridiculous. I, I would have, if I was U.S. soccer in charge of it, I would have let Klinsman go. I think Klinsman actually would have gotten U.S. soccer to Russia, but instead they fired him, got Bruce Arenas in, and I think it killed the players' mentality. I just think it... I would have stuck with Klinsman, 
But I would like them the series to stick with Berhalter for maybe the next two big tournaments. Uh, so, what, 2022 and 2028 or whatever, the next two? 26? Um, so, <laughs> but I would, I, I just want them to stick with the coach longer. Let players learn the system, get used to the coach, um, and just have him develop the players into the system he wants to develop. Because I think it's a lot tougher for people, like, it's a lot tougher for players to change coaches than people think, especially in soccer. People think it's easy to, but, Every coach wants different things, so I would like to see that. But also, and the biggest thing for me is MLS has to get better. And, I mean, it's slowly getting better, but it has to get better faster. And players need to go to Europe now to develop the younger ones, like Polisic is doing, like um, McKenney is doing. I just... And look at how... Polistic and McKenney were one, two of our best players in in the Gold Cup, and there's a reason for that. So they need players need to start going to getting out out of the MLS and going to Europe. So, uh, yeah, that's my two big things. I will, yeah, Zay, I will, yeah. Why do you say MLS needs to get better? Do you think there's like a, do you think MLS has a responsibility to the United States men's national team since it take, takes place a majority in the United States? So, for the Major League Soccer, it takes place it's mostly in the United States. Yeah. New teams in Canada. Um, does the MLS have a big responsibility to kind of feed and groom players for the men's national team. Because it's an American league. Uh, um, I think I'll give you an example. Football league. Super English. Most, if not all, of the English players play in the Premier League. So, I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but I just... It's a discussion-based question. Yeah, uh, so one of the things for me, okay, the MLS has talented players. There's there's no doubt about that. But England has, um, they're, I don't know how to explain it. They're, they make better, quicker decisions. I think the Premier League's quicker and not so much faster, but just um, quicker in their decisions and much um Physically. It's it's a the in, in, Europe is disciplined, I think, in the way they play. I don't think the MLS is disciplined in the way they play, and I think because th- that's how the MLS plays, when they go up against teams that mostly have European players on it, I think that's why the U.S. struggles is because. European players are disciplined, and they they know how to play against quicker players, players that make quicker decisions. Um, I just I think the main thing for me is discipline and how coaches handle their teams and how players react to their coaches as well. I just think there's a whole different atmosphere on the and mentality on the teams in the MLS than there is in Europe. And hold on, Taylor, okay, if you remember when the U.S. didn't make the the tournament in 2018, they, Taylor Twelman, right, he went off. He's playing. Oh, yeah. And what, one thing he said was the U.S. men, the U.S. soccer has this arrogance and he and he has no idea why there's an arrogance because the U.S. men's national team has done nothing. So, and I think that's part of it. I think the discipline, the U.S. U.S. soccer has this arrogance for who knows what reason. We can have an arrogance in football and basketball, but we can't have an arrogance in soccer. 
And I think that's where in MLS we play. We need to play with disciplined kind of style and have a dis- more disciplined mentality. So, yeah, I'm done. Go ahead, Roland. Uh, okay. Um, well, I didn't realize that this was going to be so easy to agree on. Uh, I definitely, I, I, you know, looked at it from both you guys' perspectives, like, uh, you know, from, for like a long-term goal, that there needs to be a complete, like, mindset change in, you know, how we, how, how children, uh, become professional athletes and you know we see overseas um where soccer players from a young age are going you know Messi, Ronaldo both leave their families at a young age and are living at these academies uh where their school revolves around their soccer practice or uh you know football practice or whatever like like that the way that that's set up, um, we don't really have that here in the U.S. You know, we have, there are youth academies, but they're essentially the same as doing some sort of club sport uh, growing up. Like, like for me, uh, you know, I, I don't see any difference in club swimming uh, where I would go to swim practice um, after school was over. And, uh, you know, then, like, as you get better at swimming and you get into high school, then you're doing morning practices before school and evening practices after school. I don't see, there's no difference um, between that and how the youth academies are set up right now um, in the U.S. and, you know, that works for some things like swimming, but clearly it, it, it doesn't really work for soccer. Um, yeah, and then, you know, like you said, the, the, the MLS is... So, okay, real quick. Um, but yeah, so moving forward from a youth standpoint, that it, we need to be... We need to have a have it more available um, for at the youth level, and um, you know, for them to to focus more on that type of thing. I mean, I I knew someone who was in my Boy Scout troop who actually um, he moved back to South America um, so that he could go to a soccer academy. Um, and I forget where he's playing now. He's not like a super big player or anything like that, but he, he is playing at some, at, at some club and some professional level. Um, but, um, yeah, so they need to create that sort of dynamic. If this is all, you know, if we actually care about winning the world cup and actually being like a dominant force, like England is like Brazil is and stuff like that. Um, obviously if, if America wants to only care about soccer once every four years when the world cup comes around, then, you know, don't do any of this, but if you really care about it and you really want it to become, you really want to become a powerhouse, then like you need to do that. Um, and then, you know, like you said, for the short term is, is we need to get players overseas, um, I, I was also going to use Christian Pulisic. Um, was uh, was DeAndre Yedlin in the Gold Cup? He's out injured. Okay. Yeah. You know, he. Yeah. You know he he played for the Sounders and um, in the MLS and is now over, you know, playing for Newcastle United. So like, you know, and like Clint Dempsey. I mean, you look at like the greats of American soccer, Tim Howard, Clinton, just like recent ones, they all played in the Premier League, um, you know, Everton and Fulham, respectively, but, uh, you know, so that's, I mean, they need to get out of the MLS, I watched several MLS games 
they're entertaining, but I couldn't tell you who half the people are. You know, I could tell you who they are is is the people that MLS pays to come over from overseas, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Wayne Rooney, um, those big names that are ending their careers dominating the MLS. <laughs> um, I saw an ad for the MLS All-Star Game, and they mentioned all those big names like Zlatan and Wayne Rooney and, and didn't really mention, uh, you know, Joseph Martinez, they didn't really mention anyone that wasn't one of those international all-star players that they, you know, get their, like, exception to their cap to sign and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I, <laughs> Here we go. I um, think... Uh, Pulisic is a perfect example. If the if he felt that MLS was a viable substitute to advance his career, he w- I feel like he would. Like what American wouldn't want to stay in the same country as his family if it was on par with the whatever le- I don't he's at Chelsea now, so I don't know what league that is. And that excuse me. And then you have Zlatan basically saying the MLS isn't isn't as good as the Premier League. He's he's saying what everyone's thinking. So, I, f- I just feel like the combination of those two facts kind of validates what you guys are saying. And But the thing is, is how does U.S. soccer get young players to choose soccer over football, over basketball, um, where they're more flashy sport in America, but worldwide, soccer is obviously bigger. So it's a challenge. I think that's the biggest challenge. Yep. And I think that can't be done without, like, a big name, like, hero, quote-unquote hero. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, for, like, as a three-year-old in 1999, like, I knew who Michael Jordan was. Right. Like, I know who LeBron James is. I know who all of the, quote-unquote, goats are and I think unless an American becomes dominant and is marketed as a really good player then it's not you know going to happen which is why the Pulisic to Chelsea move is such a big deal like that opens up the American market and hopefully can be like oh there's an American on that team like I'm going to start watching Chelsea now as an avid Chelsea hater I <laughs> will watch them because Christian Pulisic is on. And I just want to see how he's doing. I'm not going to root for them, but I want to see how he's doing. Yeah, it, it helps um, just by American kids seeing Pulisic on Chelsea and saying, wow, an American's on the that team? Like, I want to do that. Which then helps grow soccer for kids as well. Yeah. You, and also, I think somehow there's got to be a way to get the U.S. Soccer Federation to interact with like the South American Conmebol. So we're in CONCACAF, Central America, North America. We need to get into CONMEBOL and C-O-N-M-E-B-O-L, CONMEBOL, to compete against Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Chile, Paraguay, like, to compete against those teams. Yeah. But also just just get tougher a tougher schedule, right? Like, like play tougher like, teams, yeah. yeah like, but consistently, like I don't want to go over and yeah. like play France once and then be done. <laughs> consistently, yeah. every you know, we, with this na- new Nations League coming in, like I want to play. I want, in October on those international breaks, I want to watch Messi versus the United States again. Yeah. Sorry, Trinidad and Tobago. Sorry, Bahamas, but I need my team to get better. I do think part of it, though, like for the future, I I feel like our generation is more into soccer, and so that might carry through to younger generations, and the future could be better, but you never know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you go to an MLS game, it's all mid to late 20 year olds I mean 
it's really big with the millennials. <laughs> yeah, especially like I don't know if you guys saw that tweet, but there was a Seattle Portland game. That stadium yeah, was yep. packed. It was, yeah. And Atlanta United, they're one of the newest teams in the MLS. They they sell out the Mercedes Benz Stadium every game. Okay. Seventy thousand people. Well, yeah. they have a, like a tarp over the top row, but everything else is packed. And and that's because Atlanta United is the only good. I mean, the Braves are doing well right now, but Atlanta United is the only good Atlanta team that has actually won anything in any recent history. So people are coming out for that type of thing. Right. Yeah, and I think one of the, as Atlanta United and these new expansion teams grow, people are going to get attracted to, like, the experience of a game. I think, you know, going to Roland, like, it's just, it's alive. Like, it's back and it's north and there are not all these pauses and there are drums and flares and smoke and, you know, crazy flags with, some neighborhood guy on them and they support protections that you find a community around. Talking about one of the DC United supporters teams. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. I'm, yeah, and one of the things that's doing well is bringing all these massive international teams over for their preseason. Like, I'm yeah. going to a Real Madrid Arsenal game on Tuesday, tomorrow. Like, I'm just like to bust out my jersey and go nuts. Yeah. All right, let's start to wrap things up. John, I just thought of this topic for you. Thanks. But before I tell you, I want your thoughts on, and you, you don't, I don't know if you have a good answer for this one, but what are your projections for LaMelo Ball, who, he's out of high school, he's not in the NCAA, he's going to play in Australia. What do you right. think his pro projections are right now? What's pro projection? Like, do you think he'll get drafted in the NBA number one, top ten, not at uh, all? Uh, let's go top ten, get drafted top ten. Um, come off the bench in five games. What about the rest of the season? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, he's only going to play. Like, he'll get drafted, but he won't play a lot. Okay, Does what if I told you he balls... He plays pickup games with NBA players and holds his own. Does that change your opinion? I don't know. I think no. No, because I know the ball family and I feel it's a lot of hype. No, no sizzle. He's supposed to be the best one of the three. He is. Oh, he's the best one of the three. He's supposed Uh, to be the best one. I don't know. Sure. I'd I'd watch him, hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) They've definitely... Oh, uh, to go off that. Be the number one draft pick. I don't. I think he's like. When I look at mock drafts, he's like seven. He's he's in the top ten. Okay. But he could be the best. Um, to go off that, I saw an article. Could be completely fake, but apparently, Big Baller Brand was having a big clearance sale. <laughs> so unfortunate could be going out of business. Unfortunate for the Ball family, but. When you're selling shoes for five hundred bucks and fifty dollars a T-shirt, <laughs> you only so many people are gonna buy that stuff. True. All right, people. Did I, for one, did not have a favorite sports moment of the week because I didn't watch any sports because not much is on. Um, does anyone else? Does anyone have one? I cause I don't. Heck yeah. The Nationals are, it only took until just after the All-Star break, but the Nationals are finally in playoff contention. Uh, <laughs> if any, if anyone out there is a Nats fan, you, I'm sure you understand the pain of this. Uh, Bryce Harper left. Um, we missed the playoffs last year. It has been a rough, like, 13 months for the Nationals. Um, you know, they always have high... Everybody always has high expectations for them, and they always come out flat um, in the playoffs and stuff. So, they're finally... They're they're second in their division. We beat... We 
took over against Philly, which is where Bryce Harper's at, so that's nice. Um, and on top of that, we are in the first place wildcard slot, half a game ahead of Milwaukee. Super exciting. We had a series against Atlanta, who's the number one in our division, and we split it, which kind of sucked because we could have been pretty close to taking over the division. I mean, it would have been really exciting to be uh, two and a half games back from Atlanta with just under half a season to try and take that over. But uh, I'm pretty excited for Nats baseball. Uh, I wish it was on more here, um, but it's it's got me really excited for baseball. So There you go. That's one of us. All right, My John. My sports moment is with El Trafico, Los Angeles Football Club versus LA Galaxy. Zlatan Hattrick, he broke a guy's face, fights everywhere. Oh, man, it was must-watch MLS. That was awesome. And the next one's in, like, a month. Yeah, I liked Zlatan just destroying people. That's cool to watch. Yeah, it, it was just the atmosphere, too, like, drums and everything and the fights and it was great. It was a close uh, second for me. Yeah, I don't think I have one either. I'm with Michael. <laughs> That's okay. It's it's, it's, it, it's a slow yeah, season. Football's right around the corner. Fantasy football's right around the corner. We'll be back. We'll have full episodes. Good content for you. <laughs> Hopefully some arguments. And so... Yep, it's coming up real quick. Yes, finally. Yeah, but but it's okay. It's just because it's there. We'll get through it. So, thank you for listening. For us, probably the biggest thing is if you want to join our uh, fantasy league. And yeah, that's about it. So tweet at us. If you want to join our Fantasy League, send us a DM. We will respond. And so, yeah, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for listening. Share it. Subscribe. Write a review. Whatever you want to do. We're here. Goodbye.